Welcome to the Apprentice Mama podcast, your destination for provocative discussions on wellness, womanhood, motherhood, childhood, and so much more. I'm your host, Olivia Dawson. Let's get started. Welcome, everybody, to the very first episode of The Apprentice Mama. I'm your host, Olivia Dawson, and I am so excited to be launching this project. I'm not joking when I say I've been plotting this for two years. My son's birthday is today. He's two years old, and he is what is driving this whole thing. Um, I'm sure uh, some of you are mothers or you want to be mothers someday, which is such an admirable thing. There's just really nothing better than, and not better, but more profound. There's just so much good in parenthood. We are learning so much. We are growing so much. And we want to do so much for our children. Um, They're such beautiful, wondrous little beings. And uh, as a a parent, as a mom, I have wanted to support him in the way that is best, right? That's what we want to do. That is our goal as moms, especially I think we have this like dads, we're like, we're alive, you know, it's all good. But you you still... um, I think especially like whatever your parents did is probably good enough for you. But moms, there's like a little bit of an edge. I could totally be wrong. Uh, That's how it is in our family at least. And I have um, this insane curiosity, which many of us have, um, which kind of drives me further down these rabbit holes. And as I've been exposed to things in – pregnancy and birth and postpartum and, you know, raising a human, I just have felt so underserved. And it's been a really alarming. It's, I mean, from day one, it's been very alarming. And I've been, you know, mulling on ways to fix that for our community. I've been searching for communities to help me battle that that lack of um, community and that lack of resource. There are so many resources. I do want to be clear about that. Um, there are so many resources out there that um, that are good, but they just aren't all-encompassing. It's not like a one-stop shop, like here's what to do. Um, there are things like um, what to do when you're expecting, but it's not – it does not take a physiological approach. It's it's very helpful, and um, we'll totally dive into those resources as well. But it's not um, – it's very westernized. Um, and my experience was underwhelming uh, when I, you know, went about it in the normal ways that you go about it. Um, I got pregnant – in 2021, in early 2021. And so I think everyone here knows that that was a very precarious time, especially for health and wellness and uh, pregnancy. And, um, And it really exposed a lot. It provided this like need to investigate more and just this extra curiosity. I started out with with a quote unquote real doctors. I started out with an OBGYN. She was, they were the best. It was the best OBGYN practice in 
Washington, D.C., where I was living and working at the time. And I just made observations throughout my experience. Now, I went into my OBGYN. Um, I had just gotten married and we immediately wanted to get pregnant. Um, I needed an IUD removed. I had endometriosis and that was the best way that they could figure out at the time to kind of treat it. Um, We'll talk a little bit more about that in a subsequent episode, but um, we had my IUD removed. We talked about um, my history. I had had a miscarriage prior, which we think caused the endometriosis. Um, And and so we thought, okay, well, we're going to watch my my activity and our attempts to get pregnant – and, um, you know, we'll, we'll figure out what the best interventions are, if there are anti-interventions, and until you get pregnant, if, if it doesn't happen within six months, you're young and healthy, you know, if it doesn't happen, we should, we should talk about those sooner rather than later. We had a bunch of tests done, but very, I actually got pregnant pretty quickly. I, I, I think I got two periods and then on my third cycle, I actually got pregnant within that cycle, um, after my IUD removal. So it was very fast. Uh, My husband's very proud of that. And so then I just kind of went into the pipeline that this OBGYN practiced that. And it's the the model that most OBGYN practices follow unless you have a single doctor. And then then it would change a little bit. But your experience in the hospital would not necessarily change because you're still kind of getting whatever doctor is available and is on call. Um, but my experience with doctors was very random. I never got the same. I had to be very specific about which doctors I wanted to see. And then they were like, but you still might not get them during birth. So we recommend just getting all of them. So then I kind of picked well, like what doctors will be on call at like Give, give me all the schedules and I'll hit one doctor or so and then I want that to be like I really want to have a relationship and I only get so many of these appointments and even with that I would still get a random doctor who wouldn't know my history and they really only give you 10 to 15 minutes and it was so frustrating especially my pregnancy I had a really hard pregnancy I was hospitalized a few times I had crazy suicidal ideations I uh, had horrible horrible morning sickness I w- it wasn't so bad as to be hyperemesis gravidarum but I did have severe morning sickness uh, about two-thirds through my pregnancy and I had like a good chunk of like six eight weeks or so where they were like excellent and and the rest of it I I felt really bad and and there was a total lack of interest from my doctors um and the, the, by the time they finally gave me a suppository to help with it uh and we had to order the suppository because it was not like a common thing to just walk into a pharmacy and get uh, by the time it came in, I was feeling a little better and I never even took it so just a total lack of interest in helping me navigate or address why I was experiencing certain things or how to kind of feel better. Again, I I got pregnant in March of 2021 and all of us know what was coming out at that time and I was I was not on the fence at all. Like I wasn't going to get it. It was very experimental. The majority of my appointments were spent telling me that I should get it. 
uh, for me and the sake of my baby. And I really didn't want to, but I really wanted to do what was best for my baby and their doctors, their experts. So, you know, why? And so I would ask questions and is it really necessary? And can you answer these questions of like the things that are being red flagged in the news and in these studies that I'm actually reading? I'm actually reading studies. I'm actually reading journal articles that that doctors are are writing not supporting these and um and my doctor literally said I'm not going to tell you why it's good but I will tell you that I got it my doctor and my daughter got it and I I recommend that you get it so if a doctor says to you that they're just they're not willing to tell you why something is good for you or something is bad for you but they're insisting that you do or do not do it uh big red flag. At least it was for me. It really should be for you too. But if um if they're telling you that, it for me it means that they're they're hiding something or they just don't know. And if if they just don't know, if the expert, quote unquote expert does not know, then how are you supposed to then how are you supposed to trust this um, foreign thing that they are suggesting. So, um, that was, a, a a weird red flag for me. Um, another thing was, um, uh, masking during labor. I had to mask for my scheduled hospital birth. I shouldn't say scheduled because I was never scheduled, but I was signed up and registered at a hospital in Washington, DC that required, masks for labor. Um, and I, I've gotten a lot of feedback from that because they're like, no, 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 no. Um, you know, I, I think what they meant was that you, you have to wear a mask like while you're laboring in the hospital, but not during like active labor when you're pushing baby out. And I was like, no, 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 no. This, I specifically asked that question and this hospital was making moms keep their masks on while pushing babies out. And um, I was already very nervous about that because of the particular technique that I was using to prepare for birth. But then I had a doctor, a doctor I had actually never met. I was about 26, maybe 28 weeks pregnant. I was in an appointment and, you know, she was doing the examination. I had never met her before. She wasn't in my like standard of rotation standard rotating doctors. She barely kind of acknowledged that, like, hi, I'm Dr. So-and-so. She just kind of like walked in, hi, let's do your exam. And then I went to try and sit up, but I was very big and I lost my breath. And generally a lot of the doctors would uh, let me just like take my mask off really quickly, catch my breath and put my mask back on. This doctor watched me gasp for breath underneath my mask and I said can I can I just take my mask off like really quickly and um she said no I'll just wait and all I could think about was I'm supposed to labor like I'm supposed to push a human out of the most sensitive small area of my body with like this I'm supposed to do that and I'm supposed to like be in physical agony and I was so floored by this moment that I literally had a panic attack and the doctor did eventually 
leave after just watching. She literally sat there and watched me. Um, I don't know for how long, maybe 90 seconds, and then eventually left to get me water. I took my mask off, um, caught my breath, and just like stewed the rest of the appointment. But that really started to weigh on me. I, again, I was almost 30 weeks pregnant. I'm in the home stretch. I am really trying to focus on preparation and I just did not feel supported at all in that moment. And in fact, I felt rather thwarted and I was very nervous. Another thing that bothers me about OBGYNs is that, um, and some of them, guys, some of them are going to be so amazing and some of them are going to be really bad. And then some of them are just going to be like good and fine. Good and fine to me is not good enough, especially when we're talking about our bodies and our health. They're so valuable. But, you know, if you have a good experience or if you feel like it's fine, maybe look elsewhere. (laughs) Or maybe just like take a gander at your options. It doesn't have to be hard. It doesn't have to be painful. It doesn't have to be impossible. It doesn't have to be overwhelming. Um, being pregnant and and getting ready to start a family is very overwhelming because you're about to you know bring a life into the world. But it doesn't have to be like just totally unbearable and. Um, I just have felt by the doctors that I've been around, and this is true, not just for the doctors that I've had, um, during that, my, that successful pregnancy, but it's also been very true, uh, in my postpartum journey and, and my journey to try and have, to grow our family some more. I just have not found doctors to be all that helpful. They they are forceful and invasive. They don't spend a lot of time with you. Um, there's no regard. Um, maybe with some doctors there is some regard, um, but, but they don't prioritize your preferences for your medical experiences, for your birth experience. And um, And I just really found that whole experience lacking. And I was so missing community and education to back up the things that my intuition were just like, this is all wrong. This is not right. I am missing something here. And I am so, so, so lucky that I insisted, I absolutely insisted that I had to have um, hypnobirthing. I had to have that as the tool in my belt for pain management. Now, I insisted on this because I had heard a podcast, The Duchess of Cambridge, go on, and she talked about birth and postpartum, and a lot of it was like mental health and of, of children, And but she talked a lot about what raising children was like and, and pregnancy and postpartum journeys were like and what birth was like. And she said that she really, particularly Prince Louis, she really relied on hypnobirthing because she had used those techniques for solving her hyperemesis hyperemesis gravidarum 
during her first two labors and she had really kind of improved that technique and those worked really well going into birth and managing birth and she said it was a much easier birth it was a famously fast birth if we are given all the information if we know all the information she went in there quickly and then she came out later that day that is no longer weird to me um it's no longer it's a little weird to me that she was like wearing high heels i wish i had had a fresh blowout but you know if she was feeling good um you know there's no reason to do that you know if she felt herself. Um, I imagine she probably wanted to go home. That's a perfectly reasonable thing. Um, But for me, that really stuck out because she talked a lot about stress and anxiety and, um, and nausea and how that hypnobirthing technique really played a lot into her focus and, and soothed herself. And Uh, and removed a lot of that pain and made birth so much easier. And I thought, I have anxiety. I have all these things. I should do hypnobirthing. And I was very lucky because the the one resource I was able to find in D.C. actually wasn't a woman in D.C. She had lived there before, but um, she was no longer in D.C. I was doing Zoom calls with her, but I found her through a doula agency in DC. And um, I'm not going to mention that doula agency. Um, I didn't have the best experience with them, but I am nevertheless very lucky to have been exposed to them because I did find eventually a doula through them who was so amazing. And she hopefully will be on this podcast someday very soon. And she, I, I've, te- I've told her often for a long time now that she saved our lives. I had a doula within a week, contracted within a week of finding out I was pregnant. I found, I searched online for hypnobirthing. This doula agency came up. I searched a few other doula agencies. This one seemed to be pretty good. And I searched a few doulas. I talked to the owner. I interviewed a few doulas. And then within a week, I had actually contracted with them. Now, the first thing I said to this doula, and I'll go into this a little bit more probably in my birth story and probably when I when we talk more in depth about doulas, but I had told them I was not going to get any new experimental things into my body while I was pregnant. I wasn't going to do it. My husband can make that choice by himself. I had my preferences on what he would do, but I was not going to dictate that. And um, and she said, totally fine, totally get it. And then I didn't hear from her until the day I entered my third trimester. Now, guys, again, we'll talk about this in a doula conversation, a doula-specific conversation, but that's not really a great, <laughs> not a great doula. And um, I, she ended up quitting because I wasn't getting that foreign experimental thing but inside of me and um, I interviewed a few other doulas and got this great doula that I was going to interview and she asked me what my hang-ups were and I said I'm really nervous about preeclampsia I'm really nervous about c-sections and I'm really nervous about laboring with a mask on and she opened my world to home birth and Um, I mentioned this earlier, I was like sort of open to birth centers, not open to home birth. And 
once I sort of started to dig more on it, I realized the benefits of birth centers weren't that different from being at home. The cons of birth centers, the cons of hospital births weren't going to be solved. Some of the cons, I should say, still wouldn't be solved with a birth center. For example, when you um, when you travel, that actually sends your body into a state of shock and a state of fear, which stops or hinders labor. It will slow it down on purpose. It will try to wait for, wait until you're in a safe space. Hopefully that safe space at the end of the journey, if it's a hospital where you don't necessarily feel safe, that could be a real problem. And it sometimes can cause transfers. So that's just one example. But um, I ended up switching to home birth. My husband was super against it and um, had all of these fears and all of these questions, which is totally legitimate. Luckily, none of the birth centers actually returned our calls because I was 30, I was like 30, 31 weeks pregnant when I started reaching out to them. But I did hear back from a couple of midwives who ran a home birth shop. And while they didn't have a center, they only did home births at the time. Um, they were willing to talk to me about switching. They had one slot open for a December birth and, um, they were interested in talking to me. My, I told them, you know, this 15 minute informational call, you know, my husband's like very not okay with this. Uh, he's not on board at all. He wants me to have the baby in the hospital, but I'm for a variety of reasons, not comfortable with that. And so just like for your awareness, I don't know if we'll be able to do this though. I I think I want to. And what was supposed to be a 15 minute informational call, she was like, let me send you a Zoom link. Zoom link. Let's all talk about it. She was on the phone with us for an hour and a half, gave us so much time, answered all of our questions, was super thorough, very detailed. And I was just like, this is it. This is the midwife. She's delivering my babies, whatever. And my husband got on board it, and suddenly just like this world of community, of education, um, was bolstering this intuition. It was filling in all these gaps. It was firming up these things that I had felt, but just couldn't, I just couldn't vocalize. I just couldn't firm them up enough to be like, this is my problem here and I don't know how to solve it. And it put a lot of control back into my hands when I felt so out of control, when I felt so nervous. But the problem was that it still isn't everywhere. This stuff isn't, no one's talking about home birth and, and at least I see it all the time. With the weird medical things, people are starting to really kind of open their eyes a little bit. But it's still not like people are very experts in, you know, lactation consulting or their midwives or their doulas. And they talk about these things, but they don't have a lot of extensive resources, roadmaps um, for women and men to utilize the, in one place, in one platform. There's like I mentioned what uh, what to expect uh, when you're expecting, but it's not physiologically based. And I really wanted to put something together. Um, I really wanted not necessarily put something together. I really wanted that village to exist. I really wanted that resource to exist. And it, you know, it just really hasn't. And so this podcast and our website 
and our Instagram is going to serve that need. Um, I hope this is helpful. We are going to cover everything. I have literally thousands of episodes um, researched and in the pipeline. Uh, we're going to be talking to moms. We're going to be talking to dads. We're going to be talking to all kinds of medical and non-medical experts. I do want to stipulate that this platform is not for judgment. It's not for shame. It's not for you know, demanding this is the way to do thing, do something. Pregnancy and birth are totally different for every single woman and every single baby. Nothing is ever going to be the same. This is simply to provide exposure and education. Uh, my goal with this program is to pro is to prime men and women, especially young women. Um, I think like moms, if you have children who are getting their periods or, um, you know, daughters who are about to, you know, they're, they're going out into the world and they're like, you know, getting ready to start families or they're dating and they're thinking about it just to start preparing for these things. Current and future fathers and mothers, I this is something so that you can just be exposed to the physiological reality of wellness, birth, and raising children. Your decisions will be different from the decisions of my family and the decisions of families that are represented on this podcast um, because we're all different. And that's so great. That's so great. It's such a gift. And uh, we all have different lifestyles and we have different priorities and we have different experiences. Um, the original kind of placeholder name I made for this podcast was Not a Crunchy Mama. And... And part of it, I knew immediately that I was like placeholder because I didn't want any crunchy mamas to think I was, um, you know, denigrating them. Like I, which I'm not, I totally admire their dedication, but I'm also not super crunchy. If you, if you meet me in real life, you know, I wear makeup and I shave my legs and I wear high heels and I work with technology. But, um, and by I work with technology, I mean, I like, that's literally what I do for my day job. Um, and so, you know, it, I am this like kind of mainstreamish person who is trying to live a more natural, more physiological, uh, more innate, intuitive lifestyle, um, for the benefits of me and my husband and my children. And it's a total, learning curve. Uh, we are, we, it's been two years and we are not perfect and we are making changes all the time. And there are some changes we won't make. Um, but I think foundationally there are lots of changes that we could make and we can make and we have made. Um, and so I'll, I'll definitely share those with you, but this is a platform that's sans shame. There is no shame here. This is only for education and exposure so that you can hear what we're talking about on these pla on this platform and on Instagram and on Facebook and any other platforms, the website um, that, you know, I share with you here. I want you to hear these things and think, oh, that's so interesting. Like, maybe I'll look into that more. And if you want to know where to look into it more, we have all those resources 
linked for you, studies for you to read, experts in your area, resources for you to leverage. My husband really hates that I'm like this control freak and a planner. Um, but I can't help it because I'm a control freak and a planner. And I I describe it as having, you know, you're going on a vacation, you're going on a road trip and and you have, you know, your map your map quest, right? And you have the directions for the map quest, really like Gen Z people will not understand this analogy at all. But um, you have your Google Maps or your Apple Maps out and it's telling you where to go. That doesn't mean that you can't get off and go get some gas or you can't, you see a museum that's like advertised on the side of the road and you can't just like veer off, go to the museum and then pop back on the highway. You can do exactly that you can get back on the road. If you want to live a more physiological, more natural, more intuitive way, totally fine. Make make decisions that suit your family, veer off track occasionally, and then you know how to get back on. It's so personal. And um, I, I want you to experience that because so much of my experience has has been full of this exposure and then subsequent research where I think, if I had just known that. And I think it's so unfair that our generation is lacking that and is experiencing this like, well, if I had just known. Parenting and life in general is so full of unknowns. If we could just give a little bit of control back to young people, it will feel so much better. We'll have more families. We'll have better births. Our mortality rates will go down, and I think people will overall enjoy the experience of being pregnant and uh, growing their families more. Prime your canvas. Make the necessary preparations and see how the paint dries, because remember, you're the apprentice and motherhood is your canvas. Make sure to follow us on Instagram and at The Apprentice Mama and hit subscribe on your favorite or, you know, just maybe go on to all of the podcast platforms. Go into all of the podcast platforms and subscribe to us so that more people can be exposed to our work here. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.